has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered the gates of the bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them offer up sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. When I look back, I can see that it's you who has my needs every time. Every moment you can hold it, even the smallest details of my life, and I can testify. I know what's 
out of the flesh and into the spirit this morning, God. Lord, we say have your way. We would not leave the way we came today, Father God. Yes, you give us a better revelation of who you are, your word, your love for us, Father God. And we thank you for that, Jesus.
your shield around us, O Lord. And you bestow glory on us and you lift up our heads.
Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.
Let the incense of our praise rise. Fill up the bowls in heaven. You know our hearts, dear Heavenly Father. You know our lives. You know what we're dealing with here on this earth. Pour out those bowls of praise, Lord God, in regards to this nation. Heal this nation. I declare that America will be saved. And your power will flow on this earth. And millions, billions are going to be saved. Father God, we are, we are so blessed and honored to be on this earth at this point in time. I pray a blessing over this ecclesia. I pray, Father God, that blessings of Holy Spirit would fall on each and every individual in here and move in them and through them whatever bent, whatever gifting that they have Take it to the next level, Lord God. Take it to the next level. We're going to need it. We're going to need it. In the midst of this, Lord God, let us be absolutely empowered and emboldened by that peace of God that passes all understanding. Speak to us, Holy Spirit of God. Speak to us. Speak to those around us. Speak to us. Manifest, dear Heavenly Father. Manifest in this service today. Manifest in the hearts of every individual that are in here. We're a small army, Lord God, but we're a mighty army for you. We're a mighty army. Let us raise up our swords. Let us lift up the sword of the Spirit. Lord God, let us hold up our shields of faith to ward off all the fiery darts of the evil ones. God would say, keep close accounts with me. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. If God has told you something you said no to, you know what it is. Stop. Confess it. Deal with it. Let God use you with the power and authority that he wants to use every soul in here. Thank you, Lord God, for the gift, the gift that you give us of your spirit. Mighty, mighty God in heaven, thank you so much. Blessings on this place. Amen and amen.
And Jesus said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Never forget it. morning. So this morning I was uh, thinking of um, a few scriptures I did a sermon on, um, on the living water. And here, because I don't have notes together, in John... 4 and 15 says, Please, sir, the woman said, Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus said to her. I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, You're right. You don't have a husband if you have had five husbands. And then You aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Um, So then then as I thought of that, I went all the way back to the back of my Bible in Scripture. And in... Revelation chapter 7, it says, That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will give them shelter. And they will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This didn't come through me, but the Lord told me a couple of days ago that I should share it with you. O my people, saith the Spirit, hear the word of God today. Be not slothful, but obedient. Is the world's momentous day. Unto honor I have called you, honor great as angels know. Heed ye then a father's counsel, and by deeds your purpose show. Be ye not deceived, remember, I have sworn to execute all of my purposes, nothing can hinder. Vain what man may institute. Take ye then my hand extended. Let me lead you where I will. I have spoken. Few have heeded. What remains for me to do? Warnings old wait 
vindication. Man must learn that God is true. The restraining gates of mercy led me often to interpose for you. Well, there's, there's a little more. Got to get it up on my phone. Time is ripe. My work must hasten. Whoso will may bide the hour. Nothing can harm whom God protected. Elements confess His power. Up ye then to the high places, I have bid you occupy. Whoso lusteth after pleasure, high estate or mammoth store, envious or proud remaineth, though the gain, though he gain, the world is poor. If you would be rich, be holy. Would you dwell all heights above? Heed ye then this admonition. Climb, climb. Love ye me and love all people. Love as I have loved you. Get ye up then to your mountain. The mountain of this closing day. For the glory of my coming waits to break upon your way. Forth from here your testimony shall to trembling nations go. And the world confesses that with you God has residence below. Anyone else hearing something specific from the Lord? Or a prayer or a scripture? prayer for healing here in just a little bit. Anybody else? What's God saying? What are you hearing Him say? What's He speaking to you? What's He whispering in your ear? Now, I know He's talking. There's a whole lot going on. And He always shows His people... Ahead of time, he speaks words of preparation, comfort, peace, warning, 
He just speaks all kinds of words. <laughs> yeah, Lita.
<laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for that. I, I want to share with you some of the small victories. We, we need to... We need to take the victories where we get them, okay? And I keep hearing we're small, but we're mighty. We're small, but we're mighty. And uh, yesterday I had a wonderful meeting with a group of people that are strong Christians. And I have to tell you, as we go through this battle, there's, everybody is a strong Christian. I mean, that seems to be the common denominator of where we're going forward. And I'm so pleased that you're feeling so much better, young man. Did he just leave? Yeah, somebody was arguing with me about transgenderism and that it was totally acceptable, not a good argument with me. So, um, but I did say, okay, if we're going to pass that, I want to go and have my birth certificate lowered. I'd like to have my date of birth 20 years later, so I'm younger. I'm going to be 20 years younger. <laughs> and the person said, you can't do that. That's crazy. And I said, well, hell, you know, I didn't say that. Well, is that, is that, is that trans-ageism? Is that trans-ageism or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. That it trans-ageism. Yeah, age-phobia or something like that. We've got to get an ism in there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty funny. I mean, if you can, I mean, why not, right? I want to be younger. So, um, but I want to share with you the intensity that I'm getting from our small groups of Christians. And Joe, you're on the schedule for many of us to come alongside you this next 2024. Amen. Yeah. And then also Bill Eigel, you know, we seem to be, that's how we're teaming up. But, um, Bill for senator and you for uh, Bill, Bill for Congress, uh, governor and you for senator. Uh, we have seven. Don't make light of what just happened in the House of Representatives this last week where we have 20 holdouts and they finally went along. 20 is a small number, okay, out of 100 supposedly, whatever. Still a strong number. They're moving forward. They're pushing forward. Trump is in the background. I fully believe that when Trump sits down at his cabinet, that, that the Holy Spirit's there with them. Probably Jesus with his own seat, you know, like they wait for um, Elijah to come at um, during Passover. I believe that that team hears from him, that he is guiding this moving forward. I don't know if you follow Q drops at all, but there was a four-year delta, 2017, um, one seven twenty seventeen says good win good win fifteen on one seven twenty twenty three there was a good win because good was part of that twenty people that pushed back with at the House of Representatives there was a win and the win was in fifteen rounds all right so I mean we're getting we're getting direction from all over the place and the key is to keep fighting to get more aggressive in your fight you know to find a, a candidate come alongside that candidate we're going to just start making the government the the deep state in missouri miserable and uh the other thing is we're going to firmly start doing eric if anybody doesn't know what eric it is eric is it's an election system that we use here in missouri Ashcroft was the one that signed the contract. Are you okay with me? Tell me. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Ashcroft um, signed this. There's a contract. Eric is used in 31 states. Two states removed it. Eric is a voter 
collecting device. It's a data bank that is run by a group of liberals. It was originally funded by Soros. And what it does, it takes information about all of us that um, are voting age here in the state of Missouri, in every state that they're at. There's a contract that was signed. The secretaries of state are not allowed to let you see this contract. And they keep information, detailed information on all of us, as well as the illegal immigrants that are given DMVs. In Missouri, our governor, through his concern and compassion for illegals, has invited them into Missouri. Don't think that the current group isn't trying to turn the state purple. If you're thinking anything else, that's not going to happen. We only have seven strong senators in, um, in our Senate, and I have to tell you, the House is pretty much lost at this point. So uh, we have to focus and help those seven strong senators. We have to get rid of Eric, and we, we should be doing some mandates, some referendums. Maybe the church would consider it, Joe. I don't know where you're at on this where we go ahead and say and send it to Secretary Ashcroft that we want Eric removed. Eric is a database collection of people's name and number that they can use for phantom votes for a reservoir of voters. And I really believe at the beginning of each election, they decide who's going to win. And, um, and I believe what they did to Joe is that they put a spoiler in there. If you add Joe's numbers along with the other person who was a spoiler, they had nine more votes than Mike's your point. 15, so, 15, but nobody's counting. 15, but nobody's counting. Thank you for that correction. <laughs> so um, I think that we are need to take the wins where they are. We're small and we're mighty. It's the Christians that are moving this fight forward, and I think maybe we should start doing some referendums, memorandums that we want Eric removed. Be happy to talk about it more at a later date or after, or after church one day. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I am certainly for election integrity, because if we don't have it, we do not have freedom. It's got to be a priority. Anybody else? Hearing something specific? That's right. Amen. 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 Truth is a big issue these days, huh? Um, just a couple things. I had this word that's been carrying it kind of all week, and uh, it's more in the political type of realm, but um, at least that's how I received it. But it could obviously uh, be in the spiritual realm too. I heard. I heard this. Uh, Fresh recruits are coming. Fresh recruits are coming. Um, years ago, I talked a lot about prodigals and as prodigals return to the Lord. Because I don't think prodigals are going to return to church. That's just my opinion. They're going to return to, to the Lord. The, the, the church, in my opinion, is obsolete. The matter of fact, it was never biblical to begin with. But people are going to be desperate for the Lord and truth and reality. And if it takes, which, you know, a lot of times, and I, I think I relayed this a couple of weeks ago, and it, and it has been my experience that a lot of people 
have to come to the bottom of themselves before they reach up to the Lord. Not all, but a lot. And uh, my prayer has been whatever it takes. Because really, in reality, it's, it's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's not even really about the United States of America. It, it's about the Lord, His kingdom, and the salvation of people. And, and God has us, you know, looking at ourselves as missionaries, no matter where we're at. Our jobs, in the school, in the workplace, neighborhoods, families. To, uh, to be that light, that salt and that light in the earth. To bring truth. To stand for the Lord. And, and really about seeing people come to Christ. We have to, even in, in battle, um, sometimes it's easy for even Christians to lose sight and get focused on the war. And not on the bigger picture of what God's really wanting. And he wants men and women to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we can end up fighting people instead of the spirit that is functioning behind people that are causing our problems. And and the big the the greatest way in my opinion and what I understand of the word to defeat our enemy, our human enemies that are being that are functioning um, from the from the king of darkness is to convert them, is to lead them to Christ. That's, that's the best possible way to defeat, because you're not really defeating them, you're winning them. Does that make sense? I was also, you remember uh, talking about identity, um, when Abraham, Abram had an encounter with the Lord, and I think this is a Genesis 17, if I can remember correctly. And it's the covenant God began to cut with Abram. And in that covenant, God said a lot of things. But one of the things he did is he changed Abram's name to Abraham. And he changed Sarai's name to Sarah. And Abram, uh, Abraham meant an exalted father of a multitude. And then Sarah is actually, the word Sarah is the root word. For the Hebrew word government, which is Misra. And God told them to change her name specifically. So Abraham is a type of God the Father. Sarah is a type of a governmental bride of Christ. This is so powerful. And they came together and what God told them was, you're going to produce um, a multitude of children. You're not even going to be able to count them like you can't count the stars or the sand and the sea. He told both of them that a nation of kings are going to come from you. Not a nation with a king or a nation of a king. A nation of kings, plural. He specifically said that about Abraham, specifically said that about Sarah. So, so Abraham, being exalted, uh, father of a multitude, Sarai meant my princess. Now Sarah is the governmental bride, the princess. If, if, you, if you miss this, the word princess is a government word. It's a nice, sweet word we like to call little girls, right? You're my princess. But it's a governmental word, therefore political. And so that's what Sarah is the governmental bride of Christ. It's a representation of the body of Christ being intimate, having koinonia with the father. When they were, when Abraham and Sarah were intimate and they produced a promised child, what was his name? 
This is very interesting. The Lord just highlighted this so big to me this week. I've known this, but I haven't really made a point of it until this week. You know, sometimes you know things, but then when the Lord just kind of puts some a spotlight on it, it's like, okay, now it's really important. Does anybody know what the word, the, the name Isaac means? It means laughter. The first fruit God the Father and the, the governmental bride produced was a promised son named Laughter. In other words, it produced joy. Joy was this foundation of our relationship. Now, joy is much more than an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is much more than emotion. Joy is part of our identity, really. It goes into, you can be joyful without this big smile on your face, cheesy smile. And being, oh, happy, 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 and giddy. You can function in the joy of the Lord because it's more of a state of being that can produce emotion, but it goes, it it transcends an emotion. And it's this place, and it only, this type of joy I'm speaking of only comes from koinonia with the Father. You can't work it up. That's what the Lord was showing me with this Abraham and Isaac and the, and the, the, the laughter. Because Isaac, laughter was produced first. Before the nation of Israel. Because this was all about the nation of Israel, the people of God. Because Isaac had who? Who were his two sons? Bible quiz here. Esau and Jacob. Who was the older? Esau. Esau didn't, didn't uh, value his birthright. Gave it up for, for a bowl of soup. Jacob valued it. Jacob wrestles with the Lord later. God turns his name into what? Israel. So Israel, a nation, was a man before it was ever a nation. And it was from Jacob. Jacob had who? Who did he produce? What children? Well, the 12 tribes. Yeah, that made up that nation. But but the first, I, it, is this making sense? Like, it just hit me like a, a you know, a brick this week. Like that joy was produced. And if there's something we need in this time and the days of ahead is that state of being of joy. Again, it doesn't mean the emotional happiness and giddiness, although that's fun too, right? Emotions are fun. But it's that state of being of with the Lord that we're in that joyful state of being. And the joy of the Lord is what? Oh, man, that's good stuff right there. If you could turn to just anywhere in your Bible, just do that. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter 5 and then John chapter 18. And we might look at John 18 first. But before we get there, I do want to say this. I haven't talked about this specifically uh, for a while. But I feel like I at least should address it. So back in 2020, when... um, This bioweapon was launched at us um, called COVID-19. I, I made many statements about that at the very beginning of it. One of the things I said on a Sunday morning from right up here is I mentioned to everybody, and I realized that, you know, a lot of you weren't here when I said it. And this is just me whether it's pastoral, whether it's just me being a friend, it's just me giving some advice, 
and I don't expect people to obey the things I say. But it really came from a place, I believe, of the Spirit of God as well as a concern for people. And I said up here, when they produce a vaccine for this thing, don't take it. How many remember me saying that? A few of you. That was before there was, they were just, I don't even know if they were even talking about a vaccine yet. But I mentioned that, don't take it. Now, I realize there are people that weren't here. There are people that are probably sitting here. You've probably taken the vaccine. Maybe you've taken a booster along with that. Out of my love and compassion and warning for you, if you have, don't take any more. Please, I beg you, don't take any more. This is part of, and I mentioned it back then, this is part of a depopulation plan over the globe. They are now putting this mRNA technology in other shots. If you go to the hospital, I'm begging you, and they want to give you a shot that has nothing to do with COVID, you better do your research before. And know what's in it. If you or your loved one needs blood, you better find out if that blood is tainted with that toxin. Okay? You do whatever you want. I just have to tell you. We are seeing young men especially dropping dead nearly every day across the globe. There's well over, the last count I saw several days ago, well over 1,100 documented so far. We haven't even seen really much of anything yet. This is going to get worse. We are going to see more and more people die of this. Now, if you've taken the vaccine, if you've taken the booster, there are natural things you can do, Dr. Zelenko God rest his soul, has produced a protocol. There are other protocols out there in the natural. The best thing is, is the Lord. And receiving healing and a blood cleansing, if necessary, a natural blood cleansing from any of that toxin that's in your system. Okay? Because it is creating this myocarditis. It is creating this these sudden heart attacks, um, you know, whether, whatever you believe about Lisa Marie Presley, she dropped over dead from a heart attack. DeMar Hamlin on the football field a week ago. Whatever you believe about that, this kind of thing is happening. And the, the symptoms of it are nearly exact all over the globe. And they're going to unleash some more stuff to us, against us. And they're going to keep this kind of stuff up. So, but there is so much hope. And that's what I, I have been talking about or trying to communicate ever since 2020. Is we have to get in the ark and stay there. The ark of his presence. There are so many ways that the Bible relates being in his presence. We don't just come on Sunday and like, okay, I'm just going to get in your presence now. No, we live there. 
when I go to bed, I go to bed in His presence, I wake up in His presence, I dream in His presence, all being and developing koinonia. If you don't know what koinonia is, it is the most intimate, personal type of relationship you can have. That's what Jesus' prayer. I pray that they, all of us, become one. Just like you and I, Father. You, you don't get any closer of oneness than Jesus and the Father. And that's what he wants for us. Noah, and Jesus even said, right? He said the, the last days are going to be like the days of Noah. Well, if you look at the whole story of Noah, there's a lot of things that go involved with that. I'll get to you in just a second. But one of them was the storm was coming and there's nothing you're going to do to stop it. That's a lesson. The storm is coming and there's nothing you're going to do to stop it. As a matter of fact, before COVID hit, just that, that fall and winter prior to that, that we, I had two main messages that I preached for several weeks. The storm, being prepared for the storm, and the Jezebel spirit. Which in my estimation, the Jezebel spirit was unleashed on a global level during that time of 2020. It's, it's the storm is coming, but God has a way of escape as you're living in the midst of it. That, that has been and will continue to be as long as this takes to be my message of everything I'm talking about is that. How we can not just escape it and get out of here. Somebody told me the other day, I'm just going to move and get out of the United States. Where are you going? I mean, are you going to move to Pluto? Uh, are you, Saturn? Are you going out of this? There's nowhere else to go. That, the escape is the ark. That, that's the, in the midst of the storm. Because the ark rode above it. And being prepared for everything that comes our way. And that koinonia depth of a relationship with the Lord is where we're going to hear him the most clearly. Of what is he saying? And not being moved by our emotions, not being moved what we see on the news, what we see everybody else, even a whole bunch of other Christians. It's what is God saying to me? What do I know in that settled place of joy and of peace? In the midst of the storm. Jay. Absolutely.
You're way off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something else I want to add to all that I was saying too is, and, and I, you know, when I say me, like I want to, I'm saying that I feel like this is what the Lord is saying. He doesn't want us to just survive a storm. He wants us to thrive in the midst of the storm and be that lighthouse and light, salt and light for other people. Because when other people are, they're, they're just spinning, they don't know what's going on, they need help, they, whatever they, you know, what's the answer? We can invite them to know the answer, right? And the answer is Christ. So it's not just surviving it, it's thriving in the middle and being able to be used by the Lord, be His hands and feet and His mouthpiece in the midst of that, okay? Because also, what did Noah do when he entered the ark? He waited for God to send him the animals. Just just relate the animals to people. Okay? He because of his action, he saved humanity and the animal kingdom. In the midst of this horrible storm. Right? Are you, yeah. Seeing this? Okay. Matthew chapter 5 and John 18. I referenced John 18 uh, last week. Now, I've kind of tried to start this whole message with the Sermon on the Mount a couple, two or three times, and we've just not gotten very far. Uh, So I don't know where we're going to go Today with it, maybe I was I was thinking that we would do kind of a verse by verse, really dig into it. Uh, not today, but as an ongoing week by week uh, series. And I don't know that we're that's going to happen. Um, you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes you just hear other, you know, God's doing and saying other kind of things to relate it to it. So I want to give you my personal definition of discipleship. It's becoming who you are, who and what you are once you are born again. And helping others to do the same. That's my personal definition of discipleship. Now, there's all kinds of you know, definitions, but that's mine. It's coming into your new identity. Your new identity, when I say that, there's a lot that's involved in that. When you come into this new identity as being a son or a daughter of the living God. Now, I'm not talking about you know that uh, because you took a test on that, you know, a 10-question quiz. But it is set in you as revelation. It becomes part of you of who you really are. Your self-worth and your value comes out of that. Okay? Then you're able to move into, in a much pro- more productive way, the part of your identity and as your function within the body of Christ. See, a lot of times people say your identity, but they're talking about your function. Like, you may be a pastor. That's a function. That's not who you are. You might be an apostle. That's your function. That's not who you are. You, you may clean the building. That's 
That's a function that you do. That's not who you really are. And so birthed out of that identity comes everything, really. And there's a lot that's huge, all right? The Sermon on the Mount is, uh, it, it's, it, it is, and it has been preached every which way from Sunday, even though I don't really know what that means. Um, but it's, the Sermon on the Mount is, is so popular. It's taught so many different ways and comes from different perspectives. And that's what's beauty about the Word of God, because you can do that. You can come from different perspectives. And, and different, there's different things in it because it's packed. It's it's so packed, richly full of, of uh, just kingdom nuggets, you know. And then every sentence Jesus says, you can dissect that and you know come with a, a, a whole set of sermons off of the one sentence and sometimes even one word that he says. And so it's so rich, and so full. But the Sermon on the Mount is uh, it, it's a call to experience. And this is my perspective on it. To begin, to experience kingdom of heaven living on earth. Kingdom of heaven living on earth. Now, remember this, the entire time that Jesus was alive on earth, Israel was under Roman occupation. Foreign occupation over Israel. When Jesus stepped into ministry from the time that he was water baptized, filled with the Spirit of God, and began to preach, it was still under Roman occupation. Until the moment that he was crucified, died, buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven, it was still under Roman occupation. Okay? Foreign occupation. John the Baptist, as a forerunner of Jesus, comes on the scene born just months before Jesus. And what is he preaching? What is John the Baptist's main message? Repent, prepare. His message was the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Get re- Repent, be ready for it. The Messiah is coming. It was all about the kingdom. Now, yes. And think of this, okay? We talked about this last week too, but I want to emphasize this. Israel was under Roman occupation. The Caesar ruled. You now have a guy, John the Baptist, coming on saying, there is another king in another kingdom. Not... Hey, let's get in our four walls and let's sing songs and do a Bible study. No, the preaching was outside the four walls and it was being trumpeted that there is another kingdom coming. Another king is coming and you need to repent and you need to get ready for it. And he's loved by all and welcomed by all and fanfare and roses thrown at him. Yes. Does anybody know why John the Baptist was arrested? He was preaching that. And the main thing he did was he went to the king and said, you are shacked up with a woman, your brother's wife. It's wrong. John the Baptist was political and got involved in politics and government. And Herodias didn't like that. 
And Herod was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I don't understand everything he says, but I love listening to him. He's just weird. You know, he dresses weird, looks weird, talks weird, but leave him alone. And they arrest him and they take his head off. And that's a, that's a Jezebel spirit, see. It wants to cut the head off of the prophetic voice. Just like the first Jezebel wanted to do to Elijah. Jesus follows John. John baptizes him. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan for 40 days, 40 nights. Matter of fact, just a little caveat. It said Jesus went um, into, in Luke, I think it's Luke's Gospel, he was baptized of the, with the Spirit of God. But after the temptation in the wilderness, it specifically says he came out in the power of the Spirit of God. There's a difference there. You can be full of the Spirit and not have the power of the Spirit. Let that sink in there for a minute. But what was Jesus' main message? Now, let me say this for the umpteenth time. Israel was under foreign occupation. Roman, uh, the Roman Caesar was God. Jesus comes out preaching the kingdom of heaven message. John the Baptist eventually has his head cut, put in prison and his head cut off. And Jesus said, oh, I think we need to uh, talk about our messaging. Come on, disciples, let's figure this out. Let's take a vote. Let's, let's enter the tickling ear section here. This could be a little dangerous, so, you know. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's partner with the government a little bit. No, Jesus didn't change his message. I, what I want to convey is the message was extremely dangerous. It was life or death in some cases. This wasn't any... Because you're talking about a king. Now, we don't live under... Well... We're not supposed to live under a king, you know, uh, a dictator. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. But they had a king who was God who, whatever they said, was law. They, no written constitution with protecting our freedoms. I won't go into that either. But whatever the king said. And both of these guys are now preaching there's another king and another kingdom. This is our message today. The message hasn't changed. Jesus himself said it's the gospel or the message, the good news of the kingdom of heaven will be preached before the end comes. And the church has made the gospel all kinds of things and all kinds of parts of the kingdom, but it's that kingdom message. See, when Satan was thrown down here, he became the God of this world system. He doesn't own anything. But he, came, he became the God of this world's system, the prince of the power of the air. The prideful, arrogant, fallen angel 
this is mine. And in part, he's correct. Because remember, when Jesus was in the temptation, the last temptation was Satan showed him what? All the kingdoms of the earth. And said, I'll give you these if you fall down and worship me. That would not have been a temptation if Satan didn't have control of them. So he has not only influence, but control in this world system. That's why we have to learn. We have to engage in and learn the kingdom of heaven system while we're living on earth. To access everything that the kingdom has for us. And not be trying to work it to our working all of these natural earthly kingdoms to our advantage only, but the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what Jesus came to establish. And when he comes back, that's where we're going. That's what he's going to establish is his kingdom. Him being king. This is, this is the direction and the journey of the ages. This is where every day we're getting closer and closer. We're moving further and further away from that and closer to Jesus coming back and setting up his earthly kingdom. And so as this one world government is being formed, and we have this kingship of, of globalism to preach a true, unadulterated word of God's kingdom and another king. And we submit only to him and to none other is going to be very, very dangerous as each and every day goes by. So are you ready to continue to stand and keep preaching that message regardless? And taking a stand for God. for his, You see, one of the things, you know, mixing politics and religion. I am, I've, I am learning more and more. You can't mix it. It's already mixed. and you, So therefore you can't separate it. I, I'm, I'm like, the more I get into this political thing, it's like, how do you separate that? To even say you're mixing politics and religion. I don't know how you do it. Like, you know. Well. Yeah. Right. But when you're talking to people that aren't Christians and don't understand that, those words don't make sense. So you use words like church and religion because they make sense and they connect with that. My point is you can't you can't mix them because they're already intertwined. For instance, in our government, what is the purpose of government? Amy drilled this into me. <laughs> To, to secure, the way I word it is, to, to, to uh, uh, protect and defend the God-given rights. Of, so if they're God-given, how, do you, how, how are you separating, how do you mix religion and politics? How do you separate it? You see what I'm saying? It's already like, it's intertwined so much, it's their God-given rights. 
So is God not religion? Like, what do you, you see, you understand what I'm saying? Like, how do you, because that's the purpose of our government is to defend those rights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in their eyes. So politics and, and religion is just so intermingled. It's, you know, another thing like, you know, churches and some of my pastor friends, they don't talk about it at all. Now, how is it that you go to church on Sunday and you worship a king? Isn't a king political, governmental? How is it that you worship a governmental being, the king of all kings, but you don't talk about government? I, I don't even see what I'm saying. It's so intertwined. You can't separate it except in your own mind and you have to work at it to separate that. How for the body of Christ, it's like, how do you how do you do that? He's going to bring his. Kingdom. Kingdom is a governmental word. It is the domain of the king. This is all governmental and political. How do you, you say, y'all looking at me funny. Am I just going off on a, am I going off on a rant and need to be reeled in or what, what's happening? So, so for Jesus, for John the Baptist and Jesus to preach that message. It killed them both. It killed them both. Did you have something? Amen. So how do you reign and rule if it's not going to be anything to do with governmental? <laughs> Right. Yep. And I look at this as I'm more dead living than I am. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That's good. That's good. You know? So you just have to have to have faith. And and the fear has to be like when it starts creeping in, it's like you can't take it away. Death protection, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want death. So John the Baptist was imprisoned and his head was taken off because of his message and because of his prophetic word to a king. He involved himself in politics and government. Jesus was arrested again. We talked about this last week. Why? Now, not because of what God's purpose is. We're not. We're talking about the earthly, worldly purpose. Why was Jesus arrested? He was proclaiming himself to be king, which is governmental and political. The king of the Jews. When when he was condemned by Pontius Pilate, they would put on the cross on the placard what they were condemned for, and it said, "King of the Jews." Right? It inflamed the Pharisees, the religious. They hated that. Take it off. Change it. No. This is what he's condemned for. That was, a, that was a prophetic word done by a heathen man saying this is the reason he's, he was killed in the natural. 
It was. That's right. Point being is the message is dangerous to the kingdom of this world. What's that? Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it was of my world, my servants would be fighting. But nonetheless, he's a king. Because he even said, he told Pontius Pilate, you've answered, you've said correctly, I am a king. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're not of this world. The kingdom we belong. But here's the point. This earth is not left to go to hell. In the Sermon on the Mount I was hoping to get to today, which I keep just referencing and not really getting to, in the eight Beatitudes, it says the humble are going to what? Inherit the earth. Part of the blessing of kingdom living is inheriting this place. Because God created it for man. And He created the way He gave a, a man commission, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, And the second one, he said, subdue the earth and rule over it as we are submitted to him. So God cares about this earth or he would have just destroyed it, threw it away and start over. He flooded it. It's going to be purified with fire, but it's still here and it's going to be part of our inheritance. And we're going to live here with his kingdom, those who are his, for at least a thousand years in the millennial reign. We're going to rule and reign with him. So. What is our purpose? It is not to try to get to heaven all the time. Try to escape this place all the time, all the time. Bury our head in the sand like an ostrich. No, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have a different perspective now the Lord wants to show us. To look down, to gain His perspective, and we are to bring heaven to earth. In the realms in which we live. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a panacea in a Garden of Eden before he comes back. But when he comes back, it's going to be full manifestation. But it's certainly not left here to just ignore and let it all go to hell. And let the enemy reign. If that's the fact, Jesus wouldn't have come. John the Baptist might as well have been quiet. All the prophets. This message is so dangerous that it killed all of the the original 12 disciples except one that we're aware of. The true message of the Scripture is dangerous and it is threatening to the world system. It threatens the church. Because much of what comes out of the church is not threatening to this world, nor the kingdom of hell. And a lot of this church is going to submit to the one world religion that is being formed in our midst. That's right. And we have to be aware of what's happening because this this perverted, it's not even a push anymore. It's almost like like suction. It's, you know when you flush the toilet, I don't mean to be gross, but when you flush the toilet and you see the water spin and it's whoosh. Have you ever flushed a power toilet? I remember the first time I was someplace and I hit that lever. I wasn't ready for it, man. It was like, ah, my hair didn't have gel in it. it was <laughs> so I was like, whoa, what was that? 
this, this perverted pull for unity is everywhere. It's, it's like unify, unify. Oh, that's what God wants is us to unify. God never unifies with corruption. He never unifies with the evil. He doesn't unify with stuff like that. It says we are to preserve the what? The unity of the Spirit. And then I add, we are not to pursue a spirit of unity. There's a big difference. Our unity is to be around the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God says, transgenderism is evil. Homosexuality is evil. Lying is evil. All of these things. I can't unify. Now, that doesn't mean you can't work with people like that. But to unify? I can't unify with a political party that's corrupt. I can only unify with the, with the Spirit of God and what He says. And then, like I mentioned last week, we all have values. And that's part of what this Sermon on the Mount is. A, a, a constitution or a list of principles or values from which all of these other things, that when you have principles and you're principled or you have core values, then every other, every decision you make, everything you do is based on that central core values or those principles. And we see, even in the Christian realm, we see very, very few principled people anymore. And because of this, this suction of, of this perverted unity and this, this movement into a one world religion and the onslaught of the enemy, God has a place for us. It's a place of escape, but it's not a place of going anywhere. We're still here. We're in the midst of the storm. And... At times, we're going to be the storm. And we're going to help other people that are in the, in the storm as well, that need help. If things continue to progress, and they look like there's no, they've got their foot on the gas 100%, people are going to need answers and they're going to need help. And they're going to need People that are following the Lord. I'm not just talking about this congregation, but all over the planet that are really following the Lord that can help, that can be there and bring people to Christ. So preaching another kingdom is extremely dangerous and it's going to be dangerous in our time. You better get used to it right now of being ridiculed, called names, vilified. Oh, you know, it's (laughs) Facebook. I was just thinking of Facebook. Called all kinds, whatever. Whatever. Or to your face. You see, in the process, I'm just going to go ahead and close with this. In the process of this, I, I believe the number one priority of God in the earth is for as many people to receive him that will. But he's got a second priority that's very, very important. For each and every one of us that have accepted him and come into his family, been born into his family. And that is to conform us to Christ-likeness. That's Christ-like character. It's Christ-like miracle power, you know, working his miracles, all of these things. And doing, picking up the baton in our generation and continuing his work 
until the day we die, regardless of what's going on. Okay, that's those two priorities. And so when we, we grow, we, grow, we can grow in any kind of time, peacetime. Uh, I remember my, my relationship with the Lord just took off like a rocket when I accepted to be a youth pastor. And now I had to, what, I got into the word more. I prayed more. Most of my prayer at first was, oh, dear Lord, oh, dear Lord, help me. Oh, dear Lord, help me. <laughs> that was the majority of my prayer, but it was prayer. <laughs> and my prayer life grew and, you know, my scripture, everything began because I was being used by the Lord. Even when I started, you know, doing what, whatever I am doing right now, it was the, kind of the same way. Oh, dear Lord, help me. I don't know. Oh, help me. And I like staying in that place because it puts myself in proper perspective. That's the first beatitude, by the way. Being poor in spirit. That's the first beatitude. Knowing your, your proper perspective before the Lord. That I can do nothing without Him. I'm poor in spirit without Him. With Him, I'm very rich in spirit. But having that proper perspective at all times, that we need Him. And so when we're, we are being faced with, with that, with, uh, even in peacetime, but especially when we're faced with the enemy in our t- day and time, we can really grow. I mean exponentially in Christ-like character. Growing in those times of, of that pushback, of being ridiculed. And matter of fact, Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? He said, those, he said, take joy. You're being ridiculed and persecuted for my sake. Not because you're a goofball. Not because you're, you know, causing your own problems. But because you're making a stand for me and you're doing what I've showed you to do and you're saying what I said to say, the world is going to come against you and you are richly blessed. Instead of being a man pleaser and like, oh, I don't like all that. That's why I said earlier, everything comes birthed out of identity. Because if you really, truly know, I mean, revelation on the inside of you, it's settled. You know, going behind, beyond head knowledge, that you are a child of God and that he loves you. He birthed you. He's on the inside of you. That gives you what you need to stand. Jesus, and I will close with this. I don't know how many times I've said that, but I will close with this. When Jesus was water baptized. God spoke. When he came up out of the water, he was a dove, like the Spirit of God came on him, and God spoke. And what did he say? He gave Jesus his bar mitzvah. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had everything he needed. He was now in covenant, that, that covenant of the water baptism, the repentance, the being filled with the Spirit of God. And his daddy just validated him. And where did the Spirit take him immediately? To battle. But he was equipped. See, that validation is what identity does for us. And we can we are equipped now to stand, to fight and to keep going and never quit. That's what the disciples were like. They didn't stop. They kept going day in, day out. Be I mean, look at Paul, dear Lord. Beaten with rods, whipped. Shipwrecked a couple times. Yeah, left for dead, stoned, in prison. Wrote some of his most powerful stuff while he's in prison. These guys went through some stuff. And in, in America, we're like, oh, uh, it's too warm in here. Uh, music's too loud. Music's too close. Oh, I don't like the color of the chairs. 
It is terrible. <laughs> yes, Steve. I know it's crazy, even in families, people among people who live. But, you know, here's a, another misconception talking about unity. Jesus himself said, I came to bring a sword. Divide family. It, it wasn't that he just came to do it because it was fun. Because it, he, the division came when those who truly followed him and even within the family and those who didn't, that was going to cause problems. It was it, that sword divided. And so, but what we want to work, oh, we got to get along. We got to get along. Let's compromise. We can't compromise our values and our principles for any reason. Amen. Can I do my final closing now? It's Jay's fault because he reminded me of something. No, I'm just kidding. This is also in the Sermon on the Mount. All right. This is a hair-raising passage. You're probably every one of you are very familiar with it. And Jesus is speaking in verse 21 of Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father. He didn't say those who pray about doing it, those who want to do it, those who would like to do it, those who hear messages on it. It says those who do the will of my father. Those are the ones who are going to enter. He also didn't put any caveat on that. Like, well, when they do it, when it's convenient, when they do it, when it's peaceful and everybody's getting along. Or only when they do it with their head is on the chopping block. You see, it doesn't it's doing the will of the Father. Many, he didn't say a few are going to come. He said, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? In other words, didn't we do all of this stuff? We did. He didn't even rebuke them or say, no, you're wrong. You really didn't do those things. So apparently they actually did these things. But and that was their defense. We did all this other we did all this you see what God leads us to do what he speaks to us to do is his will. What has been propagated so much is we get a good idea and we want to bless the Lord and we want to reach people and we conjure up whatever ministry thing it might be. 
and we initiate it. And then we ask God to come and bless what we are doing. And we even have results. We prophesied. We, were, we went to how many nations we go to? We're casting out demons everywhere. We did all kinds of miracles. This is a great deception right here. And he said, this isn't going to happen with a few. This is going to happen with a many. And what did he say? Depart from me, for I never knew you. What I've been talking about before, we didn't have koinonia. We didn't have intimacy. You did. You see, God will bless things that he will not inhabit. He's not looking to bless things. He's looking for habitation. That's what he created us for. He wants to habitate. He doesn't want to just bless new covenant and bless you. That's great. We like all of those stuff and he will do that. But he wants to inhabit his presence in our homes, his presence here when we gather together. He told Moses, right? He said, uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at you guys. You all go into the promised land. You just take it. I'll help you with your enemies. You can possess it, but I'm not going with you. Didn't he? I paraphrase all that. And, and what did Moses say? If you're not going, we're not going. It's you that distinguishes us from all the other nations. Moses is pretty smart. You know it? For a sheep herder out there in the wilderness, he's a pretty smart guy. If you don't go, we're not going. It's your presence. Not just your good teaching or your good music or your, our good ideas. It's your presence. Without that, we're just like everybody else. What's that? Oh, he hasn't mentioned it to me yet. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for you, for your word. And God, that is our heart cry too. We want your presence more than anything else. That you, Lord, would dwell with us as a congregation as individuals, as husbands and wives, as families, that we would be so aware and keen to your presence 24-7. When we're in the workplace tomorrow or school or the home or the grocery store or wherever we're at, we're so aware of your presence with us. The closeness, the nearness, because we're in your ark. And so, Lord, I pray again for this congregation. They have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying and what the Spirit of God is doing, and that they would have the courage, the boldness of Christ Jesus to say what you're saying, to do what you're doing, even in darkness, in times of great darkness, that they would stand strong, they would be encouraged in their heart, that they would enjoy the joy of the Lord regardless of what is going on. Anybody need prayer for your body, physical healing before we leave anybody at all bless the lord love you guys you need healing